Welcome to the Providence Health Coaching Podcast. My name is Colleen Kuhn, registered dietitian and health coach. And my name is Will Bruce, and I am a certified personal trainer and health coach. This podcast is focused on helping you create sustainable lifestyle changes by first identifying your values and needs, and then transforming your goals into action. In this podcast, we'll discuss all the things you need to know to succeed with making healthy lifestyle changes. We'll cover behavior change psychology, effective goal setting, and how to stay motivated, as well as healthy nutrition, exercise, reducing stress, losing weight, and more. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we are going to be talking about sleep. We're going to be talking about what is the actual point of sleep? Why do we even get sleepy? Factors in poor sleep and how we can improve the quality of our sleep. And today, joining me, as usual, is Will Bruce. Hi, Will. Hey, Colleen. I'm really glad that we are talking about sleep today because I don't know about you, but this seems like something that I can always do better with, both in my disciplines regarding going to sleep on time and also just the quality of my sleep and things I can do to improve that. I struggle with this too. I struggle with this too, and it's it can be frustrating when uh, we could see other people seem to need less sleep, and I seem to need more sleep. I need about nine hours, so it uh, would be nice to have the four-hour sleep gene. Maybe one day we can all have that gene, but for now, we got to focus on what we need as individuals. I met someone once who allegedly had the four-hour sleep gene that you're talking about. He was a client of mine back when I was a personal trainer. And boy, we would meet reliably at five o'clock in the morning for our training sessions. And for me, that felt like the witching hour. I was just bleary-eyed, foggy-headed, and it took me a while to get my head on straight. Whereas this guy was Mr. Twinkle Toes, full of energy and vigor and just ready to go every single time. And I was amazed and envious. Wow, he's, he's a lucky guy. Seems not, not to need as much sleep as the rest of us. Well, let's talk about the point of sleep. What is the, what is the point of sleep? There's a quote that says, you can either entertain the guests or clean up the house, but you can't really do both at the same time. And what this means is that during the day when we are awake, our central nervous system starts to build up what's called amyloid plaques, which are potentially toxic. And the longer we're awake, the more of these amyloid plaques we build up. So we need to, to sleep to clear these out. So we can't, we can't do both. We can't entertain the, te- the guests and also clean. We kind of have to do either one, either or, be awake or be asleep to, to clean up. Sleep also helps to strengthen and prune new neural connections. 
It increases the production of myelin-producing cells. It releases growth hormone and also increases the production of proteins, which is vital. REM, which, is, which stands for rapid eye movement sleep, it helps to reduce our stress levels. And it also helps the consolidation of memory and improves the, our ability to cope with painful memories. So when we sleep, we are processing through these memories and we are dreaming and we can wake up with less stress and better able to cope with some of the, the, the traumatic things that can happen to us in our waking lives. It sounds to me, Colleen, like sleep benefits so many different systems and processes in the body, and it just makes the brain work better all around. So I can imagine how if I am feeling foggy, I'm experiencing a depressed mood, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I am short-tempered perhaps, or just just dysregulated mentally or emotionally, that a big factor in that might be poor sleep. So this is really worth paying some attention to. Why do we get sleepy in the first place? How does this process work? Well, it seems that there's an interaction of homeostatic pressure and circadian rhythm. What are these things? Homeostatic pressure simply means that the longer that we stay awake, the more of a sleep debt that we accumulate and the more tired we get. Makes sense, right? If I force myself to stay up for 24 hours straight, there's a point at which my body is going to insist that I fall asleep. No matter how much I try to keep myself awake, the debt will eventually become too much. I won't be able to tolerate wakefulness anymore and I will go to sleep. But there's this other process that figures in called circadian rhythms. And this simply means that our sleep cycle is in a large way regulated by the presence of daylight. So, or rather the absence of daylight. During the day when the sun is out, because the sun is out, we are in a more wakeful state. And when it's dark out, we are more naturally sleepy. So if we can create this perfect relationship between homeostatic pressure and circadian rhythm, then that's probably going to be a pretty good deal for the, the quality of our sleep. So homeostatic pressure, sleepiness, which results from being awake for an extended period of time. Now, this might seem intuitive to you, but you pay off your sleep debt at twice the rate that you accumulate it. That's why most of us generally can get away with about 16 hours of wakefulness during the day, and then we need to be asleep for about eight of them. There's some variability, some individual variability with that. Now, the circadian rhythms, this is actually a Latin term, circadian. It means around a day. And many physiological actions, including sleep, follow a circadian rhythm. So it regulates our sleep and our wakefulness. One interesting effect of this is that there are predictable periods of alertness that happen during the day. 
for most of us, one phase of alertness starts rising at about eight o'clock in the morning and reaches maximum at 11 o'clock a.m. The second phase rises about 4 p.m. and reaches a maximum at 8 p.m. So during these times, if you wanna be maximally sharp and focused and energized for a particular task, it might make sense to schedule them for these periods, eight to 11 a.m. and four to 8 p.m. Likewise, the period of lowest alertness is between one and seven in the morning and the second lowest between two and three in the afternoon. Uh, I personally can attest to that second lowest uh, period of, of, of alertness at two o'clock PM because I'm pretty reliably experiencing an energy lull myself during those times. All right. So bottom line folks, when sleep debt is low and the alerting signal, the circadian alerting signal is high, we are maximally alert. When the sleep debt is high and the circadian alerting signal is low, we fall asleep and we want to try to respect this rhythm. What about factors in poor sleep? What is the nature of poor sleep? There are a lot of considerations, some of which are more under our control than others, but let's talk about all of them. There are some common causes and consequences of poor sleep. So sleep apnea, cardiovascular disease, weight gain, and anxiety and depression, both are considered causes and consequences of poor sleep. So we wanna be really watchful of these conditions because they can lead into a sort of vicious cycle with poor sleep. There are some other consequences of poor sleep. Uh, hormonal dysregulation, increase in stress hormones like cortisol, catecholamines, imbalances in appetite and blood sugar regulating hormones. So our appetite can go haywire if our sleep is bad. Uh, and an increase in inflammatory hormones such as interleukin and C-reactive protein. Um, we experience a decline in immune function and problem with heat and cold regulation. So these are what happen when your sleep is poor. Now, what can we do about it? Well, there are a few considerations which we might be able to influence. Um, one is um, if you are overweight or obese, um, it does make the act of breathing while you sleep harder. So um, this is one big rationale for um, achieving some weight loss or getting to a healthy weight is that it will generally improve the quality of your sleep. Um, in addition, um, and this is one that I am susceptible to, is smartphone, television, and computer use are things that I am susceptible to late at night that are going to interfere with getting to bed on time and getting adequate restful sleep. Likewise, work and school obligations. Um, when I was a student, uh, I was often tempted to stay up all night to cram for an exam the next day. And some people who are facing important work deadlines might let their work seep into what would normally be sleeping time. So watch out for self-imposed sleep restriction. Other considerations, shift work. This one's tricky because you're forced to be awake during the time when your body naturally wants to be asleep due to its circadian rhythms. Medications can cause sleepiness. Some disturb sleep and some alter breathing patterns. Chronic pain 
is another important consideration. If you're suffering from chronic pain, uh, you know firsthand that this, this disturbs and fragments sleep and potentially disrupts your circ circadian rhythms. Sleep quality might be confounded further by the use of narcotics to control pain. So another tricky factor. Um, finally, carpal tunnel syndrome. Um, interestingly enough, this is not uncommon to present as disturbed sleep. And the chief complaint of someone who is dealing with carpal tunnel syndrome may actually be insomnia. People who have carpal tunnel syndrome might just think they're getting poor sleep um, and don't realize that it's the carpal tunnel that's waking them up. I found that pretty interesting. What about improving the quality of our sleep? How can we do more of that? How can we improve it? It's important to note that we live in a culture where we it's encouraged to sleep less. And the truth is that undersleeping is not a badge of honor. Getting enough sleep is a badge of honor. And there comes a point where we can accumulate so much debt of not getting enough sleep that we're not able to repay it at that point. So if we're working throughout the whole week and we're only getting a couple hours of sleep each night and we're hoping to catch up with that on the weekend, uh, the science shows that that sleep has been lost and at, at a certain point we can no longer catch up. So if at all possible, trying to get enough on a daily basis is the best way to go. But of course, it's impossible to be perfect. So just aiming for getting enough sleep as, as much as you can. And the AASM recommends seven to nine hours for adults and nine to 11 for school-age kids. I'm one of those niners. I definitely need nine, sometimes 10. And if I drop down between eight, seven, I really feel the effects of that. Sleep hygiene. Sleep hygiene talks about how we can prepare our bedtime rituals and uh, getting prepared for, for bedtime in, in a way that can support us. So consider having a bedtime ritual and taking time to wind down before bed, drinking some warm tea, caffeine-free tea, taking an Epsom salt bath, which contains magnesium, um, putting down devices that are going to emit uh, blue light, and find maybe some deep breathing, some meditation, some slow yoga. And like I said, trying to limit that blue light, especially before bed, because that can confuse the circadian rhythm. And you might even notice if you have blue light throughout your, your room, if there is a Wi-Fi router or a, a smoke detector, there are certain stickers you can get to to cover those blue lights. Try to avoid mealtime three hours before bed. But if you can't, and if you're feeling hungry, definitely listen to your hunger and perhaps eat something light, like a, a complex carbohydrate snack and with some protein, maybe like a, um, a whole grain peanut butter, almond butter sandwich, something like that. Try to keep your room dark and quiet and cool at bedtime. Consider blackout curtains, eye shades, earplugs, white noise machines, fans, humidifiers. I use a fan every night that seems to be to work really well for me in uh, making kind of like a white noise sound. Do your best to maintain a regular bedtime and waking time to get that schedule going and your body in a rhythm. And in terms of supplements, magnesium supplement may help aid better sleep. Like I mentioned, that Epsom salt bath 
it has a magnesium in there or you can take a magnesium supplement. Most people are actually deficient in magnesium. And try to avoid taking sleep aids that contain antihistamines. And those are some things you can take action on in the evening to have better sleep hygiene. But of course, it's important to focus on overall lifestyle habits on a day-to-day basis, trying to get enough sunlight during the daytime, exercising regularly. I know for me, if I'm not getting enough exercise in, as I'm going to sleep, I can feel that excess energy and it's going to really impact my sleep. Try to limit alcohol in the early evening hours. And if you can, stop caffeine intake by noon. And Will, you'll be surprised by this. I actually have completely eliminated caffeine from my from my diet in the past two months. <laughs> I don't believe it for a second. It can't be true. <laughs> well, there might be, you know, some rigid residual caffeine from like chocolate that I may eat, but I have stopped drinking coffee, and it what it has been one of the hardest things I've ever done to to stop it but the reason I did it and the reason I am so set on keeping moving forward with it is because it was disrupting my sleep even if I had caffeine before noon I noticed it really and also uh, creating a lot of anxiety and emotional disturbances Um, caffeine really seemed to help uh, when I stopped it it seemed to help uh, my sleep and also the anxiety and I'm finding now that there are plenty of other things that I can include in my diet like ginseng and cordyceps which is a medicinal mushroom to help give me boost energy without having the the effects of caffeine. Colleen that is really impressive. In my experience caffeine is one of the hardest substances to withdraw from and uh, I've every time I've tried I think to myself why am I even subjecting myself to this purgatory. I know I'm just going to be getting back on the stuff at some point. But then again, I'm hearing a lot of news that caffeine is something that can provoke just what you you said, increases in anxiety and stress um, and uh, disruption in, in sleep. So that there could be a lot of merit in this idea of limiting or abstaining from caffeine. So really well done. Thanks. You know, the struggle is real. And some mornings I still wake up wishing and wanting and craving a nice cup of cold brew, but the benefits are outweighing the, uh, the, the cons right now, pros, more pros and cons right now. Real good. So folks in summary, sleep is essential. Don't fight nature. It's a universal need in all animals, inextricably tied to the natural rhythm of life. You don't want to cut into your sleep, even if the thing that is keeping you awake seems so important. Sleep ties your whole waking life together. So don't fight your need for sleep. Sleep along with diet, exercise, and keeping the mind stimulated and engaged we claim is one of the four cornerstones of good health. There you have it. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and sweet dreams tonight. Thank you for listening today. 
If you're a Providence member and you'd like more information about your complimentary health coaching benefit, please visit providencehealthplan.com slash healthcoach. We only take on a limited amount of members because it's so personalized, individualized, and tailored to your needs. So if you're interested, go ahead and visit that website today.